0: Kia ora kia ora na Welcome to the Touch Project podcast. This is season two. Uh, up to what are we at? Episode three. Michael Kavanagh certainly cemented himself as one of the uh, OGs of the New Zealand open men's scene and slowly dabbling in the coaching side of things as well. Uh, managed to catch up with Kev and, and, uh, have a bit of a, bit of a yarn yeah with him for the latest episode of the podcast. What did I take from this one? A few things actually. One, uh, something that Kev said in this interview that I, um, kind of resonated with me and that it's okay to be a bit selfish with your time and, and the attention that you give to certain things. Like there's only so many hours in the day and you're allowed to actually be selective about what you say yes to and then what you sort of support from a distance. Um, So I really liked that about this conversation. So listen out for that. And the second thing I enjoyed about this conversation with Kev is that uh, you're really in touch. You're only as strong as the uh, support system that you have around you. I loved hearing uh, Kev acknowledges his mum as a proud mama's boy myself, that got me right in the feels. So I hope you enjoy listening to this uh, conversation as much as I enjoyed having it with Kev. Episode three of season two. Get amongst it. Kelda. Michael Kavanagh, how are you, brother? I'm going good, pet mate. How are you? I'm not too bad, my friend. I'm not too bad. Been a while between drinks. You been doing all right?
1: Yeah, yeah. Nah, chipping away, mate. Chipping away.
0: I know it's like a thing of the past, but what was lockdown like for you?
1: I was pretty pretty horizontal, if I'm being honest, mate. Spent yeah. a lot of it on my on my back, but a Netflix, for a PlayStation. Yeah, yeah. No, didn't really do much at all, to be honest. Yeah.
0: Did you did you cope with the uncertainty around like what's happening with touch? Like, how did that affect you? Well,
1: I guess I was in a little bit of a an okay boat there, to be honest. I kind of knew where I was sitting. Uh, injury kind of had ruled me out of the upcoming Trans Tasman. So, in a in a way, with it being postponed or or yeah, now cancelled, yeah. or not too really sure what's going on there. Uh, it didn't really affect me too much, but I know it affected obviously a lot of the other boys yeah. and, and some of our, our new boys that would have um, got their first caps, obviously. Mm.
0: Would you would you have still played sort of a role in, in the in the trans test thing, or had you sort of had to take a complete step to the side because of injury?
1: Oh, look, I probably can't comment too much there because I, I was kind of in the process of, Working that out when the whole COVID thing uh, kind of came in, you know, I was trying to figure out whether or not there'd be a way I could still go over yeah. and support or or be a helping hand there, but it never really got that far because um, obviously COVID snuck its way in through the yeah. borders and and yeah, we are we are here doing what we're doing now. That's
0: right. Just put just you know this is what we do on this podcast now. It's caused trouble, so if you just throw it out there, Kev, uh, and then you know you never know things might just manifest the way that we want them to. I reckon I got a good feeling about that.
1: You never know, mate. You never know. Yeah.
0: Um, looking forward to topping it up, bro. Let's let's wind the clock back a wee bit. You sort of, I guess you figured out how this whole thing works. Before we can figure out where we're going with this yarn, I really need to know where we've come from. So uh, what's the what's the genesis of Cavs' journey in Touch bro? Take us right back to the beginning.
1: Yeah, well, uh, I guess for me, it, it, it all starts back in Christchurch at a... At a local uh, module, Nunawick Park, who's ru- well, which is run by Shelly Johnson and her whanau. Um mm. Shelly being the manager of our, our open women's team, and um, that was one of my first coaches uh, back in the day as well. So a bit of bit of props thrown out there. But now, yeah, that's where it all began. Just a local um, local module, and loved the game. And then it kind of fell away for a few years through um, intermediate. Our school team didn't have a have a team that competed, so I didn't really play through any of those mm. years. So kind of lost, lost track of it and then it came back to me again um in high school played for high. we managed to qualify for secondary schools in my last year of being there yeah they changed it from a from a two two school qualifying uh in the south to four and in the last year of, of being there so otherwise we might have got there a, a couple of times before that as well but mm. that was when i don't know we were very strong in the Boys' grade down south, and yeah. then it kind of just kicked on from there. I was fortunate enough as a young fella to get involved with the Canterbury Men's team. Selected at a at a young age, I think I was sixteen when I first got selected, and mm. kind of never looked back. Men's has kind of been there since, and mm. I've been been involved with some pretty big names, especially of Canterbury touch when I was first coming through the through the Men's pathway. And I um I hold hold all of those players in high regard of. Of moulding me into into kind of what I am today.
0: Yeah. So is, so Canterbury's home then. Christchurch's home or? Yep. Christchurch's home. What was that like growing up down there? Like was it was it like reflect on on growing up down there versus sort of what you've become accustomed to up in Auckland or is it is it like chalk and cheese or what?
1: I get, I guess everywhere's kind of going to be different, but I I just can consider um, where I am now no no different to really being home in Christchurch. To be honest, you're gonna make make what you make of wherever wherever your journey takes you, and uh, I believe it's just kind of what opportunities you want to take when you're growing up that'll probably mold your pathway. So I, I kind of see it as much of a much of a muchness. Obviously, it's a little yeah. bit more busier up here, yeah. It takes a little bit longer to get from A to B, but no, I'm enjoying it just as much as um I I enjoy it mm. down in um, down the o3
0: So so walk us through, I guess your uh, your early years in touch, uh, so, we've, so we've covered the school stuff, and then you get into the, the representative program quite young, but you're sort of stuck in that open men's framework for a while, so what was it like playing open open men's for, for Canterbury?
1: Oh, I loved it, eh? Like, it's probably some of my fondest memories, you know, I remember turning up to my first training, and there was the likes of Leon Skinner, Nazar Silberry, Ben Seabick, Scott Grant, uh, some of the young boys that. I was coming through the system with Robinson, Alex Plyfu, Dylan Lovestad. So, but there were some big names that I'd kind of like seen or been playing against um, over the past kind of couple of years mm. into making that team. So, to kind of be like rubbing shoulders with, with these type of players, like you kind of knew that, you know, you had to be focused or you were just going to be spat out the back. And yeah. I can still remember one of my first trainings and there was a bit of fitness to begin with. And then uh, it was the ball getting run through the lanes and. I think as soon as a, a ball went to ground, we were straight back on that fitness grid and we we, we did that until we'd made sure that we completed both the fitness grid and uh, and our passing drill. So it was pretty, pretty cut growth and I, I learned that pretty early and it was pretty awesome to, to see kind of some of the battles that would that would happen at training. You know, you've got the likes of Eli and Ed that just don't give, give anyone an inch and, you know, there'd be blood after some of the touches that some of those boys would make because... They just made sure that you know mm. when they trained, they were training at uh, at match intensity and making mm. sure that they were ready for when we got to national. So, no, I learnt I learnt the intensity of what the Canterbury men's uh, system was like pretty pretty quick.
0: Mm. Is it uh, is it different in terms of the, I guess the the mentality of of playing down in Canterbury versus sort of I guess what you've experienced last few years being up in Auckland
1: yeah uh I guess it is especially from when I first came in like the game was just hard and fast you know we played a very very strong running style and the only way that we were going to be able to train to beat the teams from up north was to make sure that we had a a good competition against each other that mm. that was happening at at training so the level of intensity was was really ramped up a notch um I guess with a lot of the the level of uh players up here and the time that they are playing together amongst one another. Um, I guess I've got a little bit of fluidity in the game, possibly before getting to that provincial representation level. Mm. I kind of see that there's a little bit more calmness, I guess, in the training style up here where they kind of know each other's game a little bit more inside and out where they're not trying to find each other's style whereas um, down in Canterbury to begin with, it was a few clubs coming together to mould that that one uh, representation team so mm. it took a few weeks to, to find our feet, so to speak. How
0: long did it take uh, before uh, you became sort of like a little... Uh, blimp on the old uh, radar of the New Zealand scene um, in terms of I guess representing Aotearoa when did when did that become a conversation starter for you?
1: Uh, It was actually my first uh, open men's nationals in Whanganui Uh, I got to represent uh, the Canterbury men's for the first time uh, there which we were lucky enough to walk away for gold and then at the end of end of the tournament they actually announced the new zealand under 19 and the new zealand under 21 teams that were meant to be representing in a youth world cup mm-hmm. in auckland so that was uh my first first selection into a into a new zealand uh, based team mm. and then from there i got to represent the new zealand under 19 boys that what well, ended up being a youth trans tasman but we also got a couple of games against Africa and uh, singapore uh, they'd they travelled over to, to play as well. Mm. And then at the back end of of that tournament and then the Nationals that were upcoming, I was lucky enough to get a phone call from uh, Peter McIntyre to uh, ask if I would like to represent the New Zealand men's going to Wollongong in 2009. And wow. I accepted the opportunity and was uh, pretty blown away as a young 19-year-old getting, getting a phone call to suit up in the next couple of months mm. to play men's and yeah, haven't looked back. I've loved every moment since.
0: To... So, so playing in the age grades uh, before you, before Peter Mack gave you the phone call. What do you think it was about about your uh, performance as a player in those in those early years representing New Zealand before the the Touch Blacks uh, came along? What do you think it was that sort of helped you stand out so that so that that phone call from Peter Mac happened? What was it about Kev's uh, approach that you reckon struck a chord with selectors? I guess I could
1: play on the wing, uh, to be honest, uh, back then it was kind of the turning point of where that wing position became quite specific. Mm. And I guess I was just lucky enough at the time with the system in Canterbury, like you had to kind of learn your role and your responsibility relatively quick so that you were, you were keeping up with what was happening. So I learned to play on, uh, I learned how to play on the wing through, through those years of the early time I was in that Canterbury, uh. Men's team, and I still remember turning up to the the New Zealand 19s trial and Dominic Passe was our our head coach. And you know, he asked the room, Oh, who here can play middle? and pretty much the whole room chucked their hand up.
0: And
1: (laughs) then, Oh, who here can play link? and about probably half of the room uh, chucked their hand up. And then he goes, Oh, so who here can play on the wing? and I solely put my hand up and look around, and no one else has risen their hand. And Uncle Dom looks at me, and he pretty much goes, Well, You've made it. So, <laughs> that was a bit of a funny story on the first day of uh, ever being within a New Zealand uh, framework, mm. and, and hearing that, I, I found that quite funny. So, yeah, yeah I'm just fortunate enough that I, I kind of managed to get good at the position I was playing, and mm. Peter Mack gave me an opportunity when he kind of changed a little bit of the framework around what what players and what positions do, and yeah, it's it's been a great opportunity and one that um, I respect in getting and mm. hopefully can pass on to someone else, uh, when I leave.
0: Have you have you dabbled at other posies, or did you sort of own that wing and, and uh that's been the lane ever since?
1: Uh, I play I played middle through the through the school grades and everything coming coming up and then a little bit of uh, the inside position through the Canterbury men's system when a lot of our uh, I guess stalwart players moved Moved on, or, mm-hmm. or moved overseas, or whatever it was. So filled the position through the inside lanes there when when needed. But at the end of the day, I'm just I'm just happy to play wherever yeah. it may be. At the end of the day, mate. Mm. What do you
0: What what makes a good winger?
1: To be honest, I think it's failure. Like we're we're going to be in the most vulnerable position probably fifty percent of the time that we're out on the field with the way that the style of the game's been over the last probably ten years. Where, those passing systems have just got that much better. So I guess it's understanding that you got to learn how to get it right from getting it wrong. Mm. So I, I, I probably failed a hundred times to get it right once, and then all of a sudden that one that I got right, that um, could have been yeah. that chase out or that read through finding where my position on the field was suitable to who had the ball in their hand. And mm. then all of a sudden those 99 that you're getting wrong, all of a sudden you're plucking one, two, three, four, good reads and then you just work from there and you found a good rhythm and a good system and mm. it's almost similar to the game as well you can't let that first one that may go over your head or you might be one or two steps short in the game on that first shutting touch or or something like that you just can't let those those little things rattle you you just kind of got to move forward and yeah and take it as that learning into how you're going to get it right the next time and and make sure that when you do it next time, you get your job right.
0: Yeah, hundred percent. So, Peter Mac rings you, Kev. Uh, we're pretty keen to have you a part of the part of the squad. First emotion, tell me what it is. I actually
1: don't can't remember what I said. I might not have said anything. So I might have just looked because I think Mum was in the room, so I might have just looked at Mum with a bit of a yeah. sorry oh, right. I've just been asked to play in the New Zealand men's team, and mm. I think at that stage as well, because it was only a a short period away from. Um, departure I think you know we got told what the cost was going to be and and whatnot and then I think it was straight off the phone hey mum i have just been (laughs) asked to go and play for the New Zealand men's uh I've said yes but it's going to (laughs) cost so (laughs) uh yeah yeah, we were we worried about that but uh after the acceptance of um Mm. of the position but uh as as we all know cost comes a little bit hand in hand with our our sports and I can only thank those that have helped me along my journey because I know that I haven't done it solely over the 15-odd years that I've played representative touch. So um, just a massive shout-out to anyone out there that's supported any of our touch community over those years
0: huge it's interesting because eh, like even the even like before i start recording these podcasts and we talk to you know talk to everybody about oh, what what can we have a chat about uh the first thing that that uh comes up in the yarns is like oh man we have to we have to reflect on the sacrifices that families have made and and the amount of raffle tickets were sold and the amount of people that have that have helped with fundraisers and and so um kind of poignant that the old lady was in the room when you got that phone call because the first thing you're thinking of is shit how can we make this happen you know so gotta show some love to mum eh? 100% love you mum. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah yeah hard out. So so first camp what's that like?
1: First camp I think actually came after um going to Wollongong because we traveled as a team I don't think there was actually an official camp or the time that I was involved within the squad i I don't remember there actually being a camp. So mm. my first official camp wasn't probably until the following campaign in 2010 when we played at Waitakere Trust. No. And I just remember coming in. A few familiar uh, faces from from the previous campaign that as a young fellow, you're still a little bit hesitant. You like were teammates, but at the same time, that intimidation factor of who they are on, on mm. the touch scene, at the same time, you don't want to step on anyone's toes. So just kind of went about. Went about my thing, I guess, and a few of the uh, other boys came in in that year. I think that was come first year, so it was awesome to have another another one of the young fellas that I'd looked up to from that 21s role, a part of our crew. Yeah, one of probably the most enjoyable series that I've been a part of, but mm. also gut wrenching at the same time. I thought that was definitely one that we we lost. You know, we definitely had had Australia on the on the ropes and just didn't. Didn't fight till the end, unfortunately. But mm-hmm. now, nah, 2010 definitely up there with one of one of the best campaigns. I've been a being a part of. It, it was definitely enjoyable. To
0: what was the what was the moment for you, Kev? Like, is it when you get the singlet? Is it is it the national anthem running out for the first time with the boys? Like, when does it when does it hit you? When do you get the most emotional?
1: Oh, I, I think for a lot of the boys, um, <laughs> they can probably relate to this a little bit with me. Um, for me, it was when the first person got their singlet when we got uh uh, when we were doing our jersey presentation i think you underestimate the power of what you're about to receive and Mm. as a new new person i still remember getting getting asked oh have you got your speech ready for when you receive your singlet and you know like i was freaking out a little bit like i was pretty pretty reserved and pretty shy and didn't really know what to say and I was like, oh, far out, I didn't know we had to have something prepared. Yeah. Um, so hearing just the power and what it meant to all of these legends and just the raw emotion that was going around the room, like it was just something surreal and something that was so powerful to have been in that room to understand. And I think for me, at that moment, I just really cemented a thought of this is where I want to be and this mm. is who I want to be representing my country with and 50 Old Black, one of our uh, teammates at the time, I just remember in his talk, he talked about how, you know, a lot of people talk about being a Kiwi and a Silver Fern and All Black, but, mm. you know, he wanted to be a Touch Black and, and that's where he got himself to be and it kind of it kind of sat with me, just the, the power of what he was reiterating to the room and it was like, yeah, I want to be a Touch Black and I want to make sure I'm a good one, so... Mm. That's where that's where it kind of all began, and that was where the power of the singlet kind of uh, took over for me. And I guess I didn't really realize the power of it until I was at a New Zealand Under Sixteens uh, TID camp, just helping out from a player perspective. And they asked me to to hand over a singlet to the MVP, I think, of the of the tournament. And it actually wasn't until they asked me to speak about it, and those all of those emotions kind of came rushing back, that mm. I I kind of really realized just how much the singlet meant, and it wasn't a singlet with my number or a singlet that I played in, it was just a New Zealand singlet that I was talking about that I was about to hand over, and I think it was that moment that I really realised like, wow, this, this is a really cool sport, and this is a really cool place to be, and there's nowhere else mm. at this point in time that I want to want to be doing anything else, and yeah, it was a pretty powerful
0: moment for me personally. Mm. Uh, so with that being said, Kev, is, is it... um you know, you've been in the game for a while now, brother. Is is it daunting that the 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 prospect of of uh, your time as a as a caretaker for that singlet? You know, coming to an end eventually. Do you uh, do you worry about how you'll cope with, with having to, I guess, uh, move away from from wearing it in a player's position and then find another way to serve the pupper?
1: I guess it's just about being a little bit selfish. Now, I guess over the last three to four years, I've put a lot of time into trying to. To help uh, through the youth um, system and mm-hmm. and that, that involved doing a bit of bit of coaching and a little bit of mentoring and helping out along the way but just after after this recent niggle that I've had on my ankle over the last kind of three ish years it was probably like a little bit of a dis- distraction in a way of when I wasn't able to play through doing something on the other side that allowed me to still be involved or engrossed in, in what I love doing. Mm-hmm. So I think over the next three years for me, like it's it's about making sure I really enjoy what time I have left in the singlet. Yeah. And I think after the second operation that I just had done the other day on my on my ankle, um, I'm gonna really put some time into making sure that this is my priority first and foremost, and getting back out on that paddock. Because I think if I'm right, if uh, if Trans Tasman. Um, ends up being played in crushed yet, but that's probably one of my biggest goals moving forward, that if mm-hmm. they are still going to hold it, um, whether or not States will change because of this postponement or cancellation of what's happened this year, but that's a real that's a real goal for me moving forward, to hopefully mm-hmm. be able to play in front of friends and family from back home that may have never got to an international test before, or, mm-hmm. or seen international touch, so that's a that's a big goal in a small time frame moving forward and then hopefully all things going right and and the body holds up that that World Cup yeah. uh, that's eluded us over the last three three times uh, that's a big goal I, I'd really love to win an opens World Cup mm. but at the same time I'm also realistic and I'm gonna I've got to make sure that I'm putting my best foot forward and and if I'm not doing that then obviously that's the respect that I'll I'll earn from the coaches when they let me know that that I'm not up to date. And by all means, if they've got the faith in in those players that are coming through, then mm. then so do I. But but until until then, I'm going to make sure that I'm I'm putting my best foot forward to still be in, in my peak of my condition to mm. to hopefully still represent the singlet for another couple of years at least.
0: Nice. because uh, that commitment, I guess, to to being the best version of 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 you on the field as possible was that sort of a part of the motivation to move from from Christchurch up to Auckland or
1: uh I guess for the world Cup um with with my injury at the time and I'd just come off um, surgery and then a little bit of a complication with it with um, tearing another another part of the lower body it was always in my mind to go up and and try and represent auckland in that World Cup yeah purely because rahul was going to be the coach and mm. I just I just thought. Moving into the World Cup after not playing for a long period of time, in a in a higher kind of um, competitive level, that going under the coach that I was going to be under for the World Cup would have just been beneficial moving yeah, forward.
0: Makes sense, yeah.
1: So I'd I'd already had that thought on the horizon um, before all the the other stuff that went on on happened. So I, I don't want to take anything away away from what was. Gonna be my original decision anyway, mm. but insane, saying, in saying that like I'm the first to know that you know I I haven't been at my best over probably the last eighteen months and it was probably probably the last nationals that really gave me that that rocket. So you know like when when I'm doing my rehab this time I, I I've got to do it just a little bit better and make sure that I'm just a little bit slower if I think oh yep I can move forward into this aspect of. Of training now, when I may may only be at this point, you know, just mm. taking a little bit more time because I don't have to fast track it um, to get to a World Cup or a Nationals or a Trans Tasman. You know, I've got a got a bit of time up my sleeve, and it, it might mean that I've got to sacrifice the, the PTL or or maybe a Fakatane, but in the long run, if it means that I get to represent my country for a, for a couple more years and and tick off a couple more goals that I've yeah. got on the bucket list internationally, then I'm happy to make those those sacrifices for that to work.
0: Yeah, hundred percent. How how have you been like from a, I guess how do you cope from a mental health point of view with with all the niggles and the injuries? I mean, are you on top of that? Do you, do you have a a circle you talk to about a coping coping with with the with that with that struggle? I can't imagine it would be easy. Oh, uh, I, I guess in
1: terms of um, the mental side of things, it's probably when you're more locked locked up and can't do anything. That yeah. that restriction of what you're used to, but not 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 probably so much this time I think when it first happened it probably really really hit me and I went into a state of probably a little bit of depression or anxiety just around like I was worried about getting back into the training because of how I'd affected my legs previously and whether or not it was, I'd still be as fast as what I was or as strong as what I was and, mm. and so forth so I probably fell into a little bit of a trap and and probably didn't treat my body with the respect. You know, probably binge ate and drank a little bit. And so it's just about just being a little bit smarter this time around. Like, I know what I'm about to go through. I know what's coming up. And it's just about being focused, I think, just a little bit more mature. And, mm. and yeah, just really, really focused on, on the things that I can control rather than the things that I can't.
0: Being, being injured, though, is is, is something that uh, anyone who's, I guess, serious about uh, playing touch footy or just sport in general are, are going to have to go through at some stage for the for the for the young for the young uh, touch player listening to to this podcast, Kev, who, who hasn't been through uh, a serious injury like that and, and may have to potentially uh, you know work their way through some of the the challenges that you faced. Uh, what advice would you give them so that they don't, I guess, uh, you know, do what you did, um, you know, suffer in the same way and maybe binge out on some stuff as some some sort of mental health awareness tips that you could pass on to the young touch player listening at the moment.
1: I guess it would just be staying focused and keeping on track with the direction that whoever's in charge of your your rehab or your medical side of things have given you, and and probably just having a yarn at certain points with people that that you trust or that you feel comfortable with. Mm. You know, I think it probably probably took me just a little bit too long to realise it, and then by the time you know I spoke out, I'd, I'd already probably let the effects of what had happened kind of kick in. So, mm. no, it's, it's it's just about staying staying motivated and and it's only a, it's only a speed bump in the road, you know. I, I'm fortunate enough that it kind of came a little bit later in in my playing career. Like I've been pretty lucky that it hasn't hasn't affected me in, until now. But I guess that's the the flip side of it as well that I never really cherish kind of. What an able body was until yeah. until it's kind of happened happened to my to myself and just the restriction of not being able to you know stand up on on one foot and all of those types of things mm. you know it, it just really puts things into perspective of where where I go from here. I've got to make sure that I'm I'm focused and mm. and not give up on on those goals that I've got coming forward or yeah. moving forward so.
0: Having been in, in the, the Touch Black sort of circle for so long, you would have gone through, I guess, a few changes in both structure, strategy, um, you know, personnel changes, people come and go, players come and go, new coaches, all that sort of jazz. Like, uh, was there, a, was there a, a particular period of time that you think, yo, oh, this was probably my favourite time as a Touch Black?
1: Well, I guess each World Cup has their own, own journey. Like, everyone's. So special in different way because they've all got their own own little stories to tell. Mm. Um, definitely the 2013 campaign. Uh, I think Maddie mentioned it on his like there was just something about that team. We were just a little bit little bit more ruthless than than um, than some other other teams that I've I've been a part of. I, I don't really know what the feel was that year, but. That was that was a pretty special year, but I think like there's never been like one one moment where I haven't not been confident. Like every team I've been a part of has been special in their own different way, and we've had our ups and we've had our downs along the journey. But we've never not stood across that white line to to not kind of uh, compete or mm. or. Or get beat or whatever it may be like I've, I've always felt confident whoever may be on my left or my right that you know we were going out there out there to do a job and i just think that in some aspects at times that australian team was just just better than what we are but over the 10 years that i've been involved i've had some hell of a i've had some great battles um against that green and gold side and mm. and a lot of test series that have been won or lost uh Either in a drop off or or the last barrel of the dice or within those last dying stages. So it's been it's been a pretty pretty cool kind of mm. ten years, and there's been a lot of a uh, lot of changes, I guess, structurally within the game. Um, obviously, different different coaching styles as well. Uh, we've, I had Peter Mac for a long period of time, and then Peter Bentley, and then now most recently uh, with Rahul and Polder at the. At the helm so uh, yeah it, it, it's tough to kind of pinpoint those those single moments but yeah I guess in the long run each world each World Cup has a has a special story and then obviously that that 2013 year where we were able to, to win and and finally get that that test series win against Australia will always hold a hold a pretty special moment
0: I make reference to this you know quite a bit is that you know I haven't really been I guess involved in, in, in our touch uh, community for too long. And, and so, um, I wasn't around in those in those previous years that you spoke of but one campaign I guess that uh struck with me and I've you know we had a good yarn with this with Rahul on his on his um podcast was 19 KL and you know just watching from the outside not even being inside the circle to sort of see and feel uh, that campaign but you couldn't help but uh just really want you guys to do well in that 2019 year because the lead up just I felt I felt the lead up you know I I we watched all, uh, you know, vicariously through the the social and, and online and the streaming the games and whatnot, and and I guess you just got so close. Can you can you talk about that 2019 campaign? Not not um, not just you know the games and and sort of how well or, or, or the struggles that you felt on on the pitch, but I guess um, all of the activities leading up to it, the camps and the strategy that went into that. Um, can you can you share some some insights on that one, bro? Oh
1: yeah, KL was definitely definitely a highlight. Um, I think just with with all that happened, I was, I was fortunate enough to obviously go there with the Youth World Cup. So I kind of experienced where we were going before we got to go there, but to do it with the, the bunch of lads that we went over with, like it was just it was just such a fun time. Like we were so competitive in everything that we were doing in the lead up, mm. whether it be through our homework or our fun little games or what we were doing on the training paddock or in the fitness or whatever it may be like everything came with that level of competition but everyone was always doing it with a smile so the the camaraderie amongst that team and the, the lead-up and some of the things we got to got to do as, as a unit were, were, were pretty special and mm. i know that 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 team that was a part of that 29 campaign uh 2019 campaign will will definitely hold on to a lot of those memories but I think one that was a little bit surreal for me at the time was, um, was when we got to go to Starship and, mm. and you know, we we made dinner for, for a lot of the sick kids and their families that were there. And I think just to, just to see kind of some of those kids that didn't, didn't get a choice in life, some of them may have been born the way they were or, or have got sick pretty young and, and not really got to experience a, a childhood, you know, you, you feel pretty lucky. And, and I think with a few of the things that we did into into KL like there was that level of humility and and humbleness and we just tried to to really be kind of I guess good male role models before we were good male male athletes yeah. and a lot of the we were trying to do and in, in the lead up was about trying to involve the community to to try and get on board not only with what we were doing but to also kind of make better communities at the same time as well mm-hmm. and that's why we we kind of got some some stuff up and running and massive ups to our management team that, that were doing heaps of stuff behind the scenes to try and cut costs and and get us um, over the line with with uh, all the expenses that it was to, to get to KL and then to finally get there and to fall like a hurdle short and unfortunately I wasn't able to, to be on the field with the boys in that final but just to, to stand alongside them just so proud of their efforts yeah. just to fall one short and what was such a cracking game like to be playing in the heat and the humidity and to just go down by you know one pass realistically um, you know like it, it just holds testament to kind of what what not just us as a country did but what Australia did as well you know yeah. like we put on a, we put on a spectacle for for the touch community I I, I hope and uh, I thought some of the efforts from from a lot of the, the players out there was second to none and to have a one nil scoreline for a Thirty-one or thirty-two minutes of a of a game just mm. just meant to show the ferociousness of what the battle was out there and how to end it was and you know it could have gone e- either way and um, condolences to us in in the end and you know well done to to Australia but now like I I know the efforts that the boys put in for that compact, uh, campaign and obviously a lot of injuries leading into that campaign mm. as well so to yeah. see some of the some of the boys foot just on the paddock alone you know just just hold the holds a little bit more to the character of, of that team that we took over mm.
0: have you watched the game back uh, I mean I've spoken to a few a few uh, people from from the team and the management some have some haven't have you uh,
1: I've watched I've watched snippets of it I think I've I think I've watched till half time a couple of times but I don't think I've watched the full game as
0: of yet mm. Not something that you you can, or it just hasn't. You just for whatever reason just didn't finish the game, or is it just too
1: tough? Uh, no, I wouldn't say it's too tough. I, it's probably just something that that I do individually anyway. Uh, mm. A lot of the campaigns from the um, previous year leading into the next year would probably be when I'd watch that. So, um, for example, if we were going into this Trans Tasman, and maybe I'd probably watch. The World Cup game uh, a little bit more yeah. in depth, uh, just moving forward. But um, oh, it, oh, I'm sure I'll, I'll watch it in in due, in due course and in, in full. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, no. Well, I'm just saying if, if you if you want to do that and we can just do a podcast at the same time because I reckon that would get my views up. Uh, if you if you want to do that, Kev, we can make that happen.
1: Oh, I'm sure we could get a few of the boys together. We could sit around and almost live stream it all. Oh, it'd be interesting to see some of the facials. Yes, yeah, so yeah, we
0: get one-on-one cameras for everybody. Um, oh, hilarious. I, I'm keen to know, um, you know, if you had to, I guess, describe each coach uh, from the touch that you have, you know, played under in, in a few words, uh, how, would you, how would you describe them? Let's go through them. Peter Mack, how would you describe his coaching ability in a couple words? che land
1: <laughs> uh, a little bit of an inside joke there um now nah, oh, Peter mac very very passionate um, very very driven uh, got away with words but um, someone someone that'll never never let you down he he'll, he'll make sure that uh, he's always there to, there to help you out or, or pick you up
0: nice I'm glad that you clarified that was an inside joke because I laughed just to laugh for you I had no idea what you were talking about <laughs> uh, full, um, full
1: disclosure uh, I, I hope uh, I hope a couple of the boys get that joke. Yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> um, Peter Bentley uh, described that uh, described working uh, coaching uh, playing for him uh, PB uh,
1: he's very very reserved um, very am- ambitious like he he liked like his um out-of-the-box thinking so he bought some new innovative ideas in in the few years that we that we had um pb and i guess if you watch his sideline manner like he, he was never rattled like you know he was always always nice and calm mm. always had a good good manner and so when he was delivering stuff to you in the in the sub box um it was always very precise and you understood what what you were getting from him
0: never had a good spray he's was, he was not that kind of coach
1: I don't know if I've had a run-in with any of the coaches yet, to be
0: honest. Oh, true story. Okay, good to know. So, Rahul, what's he like? Uh, Rahul, uh, he's brought, um,
1: I guess, a level of challenge. So, he, he's challenged us by choice, I guess. So, he's throwing us curveballs, and we've had to kind of work out how we're, how we're going to get past this or how we're going to move forward. So, he's really throwing like, that innovative thinking kind of style to us. So, I guess when we're under pressure... We're used to having to think of how we can get out of trouble, and mm. almost just refined a lot of things for us, re- really, and kind of made us realise that just by getting the basics right, we can end up doing a lot more down the line. And then you can see through a lot of our uh, skill acquisition, a lot of our stuff is actually starting to become a little bit more fluid, or we're not dropping as much ball, or we're completing a lot more steps. Mm. So. Yeah, he's kind of really refined us and then brought a, a new level of thinking and, and just really challenged us to to be better people and better athletes.
0: Mm. Having been in the game for a while and, and playing at an open men's level for a while, what was your first impression when when uh, when you had your first encounter with, with Dr. Daz? What was uh, the first thing that popped into your mind? Be honest.
1: I don't think I got much of a chance, I think I got got rib-tickled a little bit, I think he kind of took the piss out of me to begin with, so we were kind of on like a little bit of like a level pegging straight away, like I kind of just started cracking up laughing and we kind of had a little bit of banter, but in terms of like a formal introduction, I can't actually remember what my formal introduction was with Rahul, I'm pretty sure it was just straight out the gate, we were just having a laugh and a bit of fun, so straight away I kind of of knew where, where I was sitting, but We'd we already kind of had a couple of encounters through uni games uh, that that Rahul kind of mentioned mentioned down the track, and so it kind of ended up being a little bit of a small wheel. But no, nah, great great follow, and and uh, the Touch Blacks are definitely in good hands, and, yeah. and I'm I'm looking forward to to seeing what what the next few years have to bring.
0: I'm 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 curious as to what the next few years has to bring for you. Uh, particularly, you've you've dabbled in some coaching opportunities, obviously with the with the youth grades. Is is that's uh, is that something that I guess you're working toward? Naturally, the the question uh, has to come up having having worked with our youth uh, grades at both a, a youth World Cup and the, and the youth Trans Tasman. Is is the opportunity to to work at a Touch Blacks level in a coaching uh, gig uh, on the bucket list for, for you?
1: It's probably something that I haven't really thought of to be fair I think it's probably looking a little bit too far ahead for me at, at the moment um, I've loved my time coaching with the youth uh, it's been a terrific experience and I've got to meet some some great great young athletes and uh, our games definitely in good hands moving forward as we can see with a lot of the a lot of this youth sector already a part of our, our open open touch black teams but um, I think for me just over the next few years just Looking at probably making sure that I'm in I'm in the right framework to mm-hmm. to be able to play. Uh, I think the coaching side of it for anyone that that coaches a sport or or helps out in a volunteer role, just the amount of time that you've got to put in to be in that that volunteer space is huge. Mm-hmm. And I think I think that is a real kind of like head off to all of those people in our game that are in that volunteer space because they are few and, few and far between in some aspects of trying to find volunteers. So for those people in our sport that do do take the time out at, at their own cost, it's awesome and, and I applaud you because it, it helps our, our game move forward. But just with that amount of time, I, I think being a little bit selfish and just making sure that my body's right and getting my injuries to 100% and... And just focusing on the plane, I'm not too sure where I'll be in the coaching frame or mentoring or helping out over the next few years. I'll, mm. I'll just have to balance that time out just to make sure that I'm kind of focusing on on getting myself back on on the paddock
0: because
1: yeah. that other stuff can come down the track. So, make, trying to get to a, to another World Cup is, is the main agenda, and then looking at maybe some some coaching aspirations. Uh, after that would would be on the be on the horizon and the the touch flex is obviously the, the pinnacle of, of wanting to coach in New Zealand. Uh but I still think that I'm definitely a few years yeah. away from being able to to take out take up a position position mm-hmm. like that. Um Doctor Das is, is more than welcome to, to <laughs> sit on that for for as long as he <laughs> as long as he wants <laughs> to sit there.
0: Tell us about the Diddy connection, because uh, that's always intrigued me. Someone that lived all the way down south and and, and having such a strong connection with with that with that sort of co Walk us through that.
1: Yeah, I, I'm I'm pretty fortunate to to be on the the Diddy crew, and uh, a lot of that comes down down to to Mips and, and Pauly and giving me an opportunity to to run out alongside them. Uh, just with the the around it with with Brooklyn and 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 Chase. Uh, I kind of connect through to the Brooklyn side of things through through Domer being my first New Zealand coach, and mm. I remember um, Don would always travel north, and he'd kind of come through Whakatane on the way, and he'd have his two boys with them, or with him, and Brooklyn was one of them. So over the two or three years that Brooklyn was well, or or still alive, um, I was able to to meet him on those those uh, short occasions that that Uncle Don would come through. Whakatane with those boys, and then with with Chase, I was lucky, in, or Tasi sorry, I was lucky enough to actually uh, play a play a Fakatane with him with Dog Soldiers. Nani uh, Kawai was our under 19 player mentor, and he was a big part of that club. and I managed to get a get a go to run around with them at, at one of the one of the tournaments, and got to got to play with with the bro there before he fell sick again, and. Um, Mm-hmm. Then from there, uh, Mitz moved down to to Christchurch and connected connected with Mitz down there, and and just lucky enough that that through those connections, I was invited to to be a part of this copopper, and it's it's an amazing mm-hmm. it's an amazing journey that I've been on with with that team as well, and it's uh, it's a team that that I hold dear to my heart, and and it's a big fano that that I'm very very pleased to call myself a part of Mm -hmm. and and it's something that that I think has not only helped me grow up but but probably mature as a man with a lot of the values that you've got to uphold or or withhold to, to be a part of that crew because touch is really the Really, the extra thing that comes yeah. comes along alongside the waterdefiner
0: mm. culture must be a big thing for you, eh? Is, is that is that is that a deciding factor as to anything that you will involve yourself in? Because I noticed, you know, you're very, you know, um, you're very picky about what you share on social media. So it's got to mean something in order for you to share it, or, or you know, I've heard that you sort of don't involve yourselves in things and involve yourself in things unless you sort of absolutely one hundred percent agree or believe in that copop. So I would assume culture means a lot to you. I guess it's taught me
1: a lot. Like I, I was probably a little bit of a of a rat bag through my, my mid twenty kind of years and mm. there's probably some stuff that was on social media that probably didn't really reflect kind of like actually who I who I was. So I guess in a way i I stepped back a little bit from, from kind of trying to try to let any of that get out there because I was in a different position as a role model to the game but also within the sports and and in some of the the teams I was in, and it wasn't a very good reflection, not only on myself, but of, of my teammates or, or who I was as well. Mm-hmm. So, I guess the culture side of things, it, it just kind of helped. It's helped me mature and and realise, you know, w- what it is to be a young a young male, I guess, athlete or role model grow, growing up in New Zealand, and and some of the stuff that I was doing through that twenties didn't reflect that and yeah. I guess that's probably why I'm a little bit selective on, on what I what I am doing on, on social media or what I am sharing or, or reflecting and mm. I, I think that's why for this time period at least while I'm injured I've actually removed all, all of the social media aspect just so that I'm focused on, on what it is moving forward and it yeah. means that, you know, I'm not spending those those days scrolling
0: Scrolling yeah. away um, <laughs> It's good though I mean you, You're pretty much Stuck in a couch Or in your bed At the moment bro I need to show you How TikTok works Cuzzy, Because it's amazing Trust me
1: uh, I, I've definitely I've definitely Seen it working But you won't, <laughs> ca- you won't Catch me involved In one of them Unless uh, I'm another Rookie somewhere For a team Which I don't yeah. think Will be for a long
0: time Yeah Nice <laughs> Nice um, uh, Give us five people That have helped you Get to where you are Inspired you uh, uh, Dear to your heart uh, Say thank you To five people
1: Mum would have to, would definitely have to be be my my number one she's been she's been the rock you know any anything i've I've needed or or required or whatever it may be you know I've always been able to count on mum even in times where I probably shouldn't have been able to count on her I've always fallen back she's been a big rock in in my career and and when I think of you know the Stingless and and who i who I represent you know mum's always on my on my back or mm. or sitting on that. On that fern on my chest every time I go out. So mum was def- mum's definitely a big one. Uh, number number two, I probably got to probably got a throw Polder out there. Uh, he's been a big influence to me. He was actually my school coach. Mm. So he got me back involved in the game. So to to go through a lot of the ups and downs in my touch career with someone that that's been a coach along a long period of the way um, has been has been awesome. So to see him now coaching at the New Zealand level as well and to be able to, to represent that, that, that's pretty wicked. I guess I've got to throw a mention to, to three of the boys back home, Chad, James and Sean. Um, are three of, three of my real good mates. And, you know, they're, they're three bros that I grew up playing playing touch with. And, you know, any, any, or they, they were representing. Of the of the youth grades in in 2009, and and some of them could have gone on to to make uh, make open level teams as as well. But they've always kept me honest and competitive over over the years, and always been um, mm. been really supportive. I guess all, all coaching staff, management, uh, any anyone that's realistically been involved in any of my transportation or or journeys from from coming up to to Auckland it's been massive obviously from someone from the south it's always tough to travel but you know everyone's always been hospitable every time um, every time I've come up so yeah. just want to thank thank all of those all of those people that have helped me up every time I've come here especially over the last 18 months Brenda and her family mm. um, you know giving me a giving me a place to, to stay and, and um, it's been been a huge help and number five uh, just all of my teammates over the whole period of of time that I've been involved in the game, both both nationally, provincially, re- representation-wise, social level. Like you know, without that level of competition, you know, I wouldn't be able to to be the player I I am today. Mm. And and even just some of the boys that I've I've grown up in the game with, like like Paulie, Mitz, Mo, Raddy You know, those those five kind of off the top of my head when I came in were were fresh on the scene and you know, they've become some of my best mates and I've got to go to some pretty cool places around the world and experience their weddings or, or some of their their finest hours. So, you know, to, to have such a, a fine group of young men to to look up to and to kind of walk alongside, you know, it, it's, it's pretty special. And yeah. to be able to grow up uh, alongside them has been awesome. And then just lastly, just uh, Peter Mack, uh, he's probably the last special mention of of the whole thing just the the time and effort that i've I've had with him over the last ten years has been been second to none and just the belief that you know he had in me as a as a young kid and then as a young coach as well to to believe in me the way that he has and to give me some of the opportunities that i've been uh Lucky enough to receive, um, I can't can't thank enough, and mm. I'm very uh, very humbled to to call him one of my good mates, and um, yeah. I look forward to catching up with him
0: soon. Yeah, he's a good man. I like Peter Mack. He's the only person who's told me, can you can you stop talking during uh, during the halftime at tournaments, please? I'm trying to trying to coach my <laughs> team, and all I can hear is you on the speaker going, "Uffy," and and the and the, the tournament tent is up here, and he and so, um, <laughs> yeah, he's a good man. You miss home, bro? You miss Christchurch or what?
1: Yeah, no, I, I I do a little bit like some of the boys I talked about. You know, like I've grown up with them since high school, so you know, like we're we're a pretty tight bond, So I'm actually going back in a week, so it'll be cool to catch up with the, a few of the few of the lads down there. Nice. And um, even Paulie, I think he he's got his birthday, so I think a few of the boys are flying down as well. So mm. even to connect with a lot of what well, of what will be the New Zealand um, New Zealand crew as well, and the Waititi boys will be be awesome. You know, mm. it should be. a should be a good weekend, so it be cool
0: to get back home. That's dope, bro. Look I've really loved uh, the love loved the last little bit. It's been a good a good quarter cool to Cuzzy and, and uh yeah, it was it's really cool to learn a little bit more about you bro and and uh, and your insights been really cool. Really appreciate you taking the time to have a chat on the old potty, brother.
1: No, nah, it's been awesome. Awesome Pat. Uh, I've I've listened to quite a few of the the podcasts and it's been cool to actually hear some of the stories of of you know some of the boys that you've played against or, or with or some of the management side of things and just everyone's journeys and how everyone does have a, a different story but you know we're all all trying to achieve the same common goal so yeah. no nah, I think think that you should um, keep doing what you're doing mate I think it's awesome for the touch community and, and you're definitely uh, definitely keeping that uppy high up there
0: Nice bro I look, I'm looking forward to you signing my change the two minute music petition
1: <laughs> Honestly bro I'm, I'm a fan of
0: uh, the one that we've got at the moment oh. I reckon keep it there keep, keep the boogie going you know I'm going to edit that but out I can't have you be
1: saying <laughs> I can't have you
0: saying no, but, no, it's good bro I appreciate appreciate the time cousin you take care look after yourself and get better soon eh nah
1: no, awesome cheers to that Pat much love <laughs>